This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. I want to start out by thanking you all yet again for your contributions to this station. I unfortunately was not able to obtain a list of donors. We do intend to still thank every one of you who made a special pledge during our segment of the program and perhaps did so last week with further imploring. The uh, KDVS fundraiser pledges currently stand at about $52,000. We're still about $8,000 short. We're going to keep bugging you folks to see if we can't make up that final deficit. I believe you probably learn a lot listening to KDVS. I know I do. The past few weeks, I note that some of the other PA hosts on this station have really turned out some very interesting programs. I learned through a chat with the President for Students for Justice in Palestine at UCD that there'll be some events next week, which is Palestine Awareness Week. I learned that Bernie Sanders is the longest independent-serving member of Congress ever. To say he's a long shot for the Democratic nomination is an understatement, but um, be a nice guy to have on Radio Parallax. We're going to try. Another good thing I want to say about KDVS and a reason why you should support it is the fact that this is one of the few stations that continues to bring you the Joe Frank Show. Joe Frank can be heard on KDVS every Saturday between 10 and 11 p.m. This is a guy who personifies thinking outside the box when it comes to putting together radio dramas, would you call them, uh, performance art? It's hard to define, Joe Frank. But I'm pleased to note that we are hot in pursuit of him as a guest for this program. And it looks as though the odds are pretty good that we will be able to get him. Believe you me, Mr. Miller and I are looking forward to that. But let us begin the program as we like to do each week with On This Date in History. The date in question today is the 7th of May. It was on May 7th in 1769 that George Washington brought a package of resolutions before the Virginia House of Burgesses attacking the taxation without representation policy of the American colony's mother country, England. This sets up the great comedic line of a couple centuries later of, if you think taxation without representation is bad, you should see it with representation. On May 7th of the year 1867, Alfred Nobel filed a British patent for dynamite. It should be noted that as a committed pacifist, Alfred Nobel hoped his explosives would provide such a deterrent to war that they would bring peace to mankind. Alas, that was not to be. And in his will, he famously endowed the annual Nobel Prizes, awarded to those who have, quote, conferred the greatest benefit on mankind, unquote, in five categories, including peace. The people in Sweden later added economics to the list of five, although Radio Parallax is still unclear on what benefit economics has brought to mankind. It was on May 7th, 1915, a hundred years ago today, that the unarmed Cunard liner Lusitania was torpedoed and sunk by a British U-boat with a loss of over a thousand lives. This event hastened the entry of America into World War I. It should be noted that it was finally admitted many decades after the fact that the Lusitania was in fact carrying munitions to the war effort. The Germans were aware of this, and this is one reason why they sank her. I believe she was sunk with two torpedoes thanks to the explosives on board, whereas one of her sister ships took something like eight German torpedoes during the war and limped home. On May 7th in 1973, and this one really 
gives me pause. Journalists Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward were awarded the Pulitzer Prize for their investigation of the Watergate cover-up. Yes, I have to pause and think that was 42 years ago. Boy, time sure flies. I may note in closing that it was 10 years before that, on May 7th, 1963, that the communications satellite Telstar 2 was launched by the United States. By using this last, what this then allows us to play an excerpt from Telstar by the Tornadoes. Yeah, I don't know any other public affairs show. I'd like to start out with a review of historical events. You know, if you don't take some time to look back at where, do you, where you've been, how do you know where you are? Our quote of the day comes from one of our favorites, Isaac Asimov, who once said, Anti-intellectualism has been a constant thread winding its way through our political and cultural life. Nurtured by the false notion that democracy means that my ignorance is just as good as your knowledge. Our quip of the day comes from that great philosopher Mike Tyson, who once observed, If you're not humble, life will visit humbleness upon you. And our bonus quip of the day comes from Charlotte Bronte, who once said, It is vain to say human beings ought to be satisfied with tranquility. They must have action, and they will make it if they cannot find it. I'd like to attach that to one of our quotes from a few weeks back from Shakespeare, who said, Things won are done. Joy's soul lies in the doing. And I think if we combine these two quotes, we have a partial explanation for why it is our highways in California are in such crappy shape. Everyone wants to go out there and build a highway. Nobody wants to maintain a highway. Our joke of the day comes from President Barack Obama, who did make an extensive appearance, we hope you noticed earlier this week, on the David Letterman Show, which is sadly leaving us. But it was during the annual White House Correspondents Association dinner last week that Obama got this zinger off. Returning fire on former Vice President Dick Cheney, who recently called Obama the worst president of his lifetime, Obama said, which is interesting because I think Dick Cheney is the worst president of my lifetime. Our anecdote of the week is that a suspected drug dealer escaped house arrest and fled the country after he strapped his GPS ankle monitor to his cat. Evidently, Diego Martinez Espinosa, age 23, realized that if he removed the court-ordered tracker and left it in his Virginia home, the lack of movement would tip off the police. So he put the tracking device around his cat's neck and made his getaway. His escape was discovered only when his landlord entered the apartment to find the cat wearing the device. Martinez Espinoza is now believed to be in Mexico. And no, we don't know whether he got there in time for the Cinco de Mayo. I've always found it curious that, as far as I know, there was zero tradition in America of celebrating Cinco de Mayo up until the late 60s, when all of a sudden some people felt that Mexican-Americans needed a holiday to celebrate. That's okay by me. I like Cinco de Mayo. All right, for our good news item of the week, we have the fact that the National Football League is finally now willing to pay more taxes. The league announced last week that it would voluntarily give up its tax-exempt status, which it has held since 1942. 
And uh, yes, NFL teams are for profit, and the billions they make on ticket and merchandise sales are taxed. But it turned out the NFL's head office, which took in about $327 million in 2013, well, now it's going to pay taxes on, on that income. And no, Radio Parks does not know at what rate those taxes will be paid. All right, for our stats of the day, well, we have three. First off, the fact that about 28% of Americans were totally sedentary last year. They failed to participate in even one physical activity like running, lifting weights, yoga, bowling, or even stretching, according to a new survey. The Physical Activity Council said that roughly 83 million Americans ages 6 and over did nothing at all to maintain fitness, an increase of 18% over 2007. Trending in the opposite direction, we have uh, this sad news item for Dr. Andy Jones. According to the WashingtonPost.com, interest in poetry is waning. In 1992, 17% of Americans said they'd read a poem at least once in the past year. That number in 2012 fell to just 6.7%. We will have to call upon Davis's Poet Laureate to see what he can do about this. And finally, until 2008, Oklahoma had one or two earthquakes of magnitude 3.0 or greater per year. But since the start of this year, the state has averaged at least two quakes of that strength per day, more than California. Researchers have linked the state's dramatically increased seismic activity with a boom in hydraulic fracturing, or fracking, the process in which millions of gallons of fluid are injected at high pressure into underground rock formations. Fracking, a not altogether good idea, which we'll be talking about more in the future. But at this point, let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. It was a good week last week for decor at memorial services with the news that the Chinese government has now forbidden strippers from performing at funerals in the country. The government is calling the burlesque send-offs uncivilized. It turns out that in rural China, family members hire strippers to attract large crowds to funerals, a way of guaranteeing good fortune for the deceased in the afterlife. But the Chinese authorities are now cracking down, arresting strippers and their employers. Said the culture ministry, this type of illegal operation disrupts the order of the cultural market and corrupts social morals. The Radio Parallax has taken a rather critical position of many Chinese government decisions in the past. I think we should express our feelings at this moment that if rural Chinese want to have strippers at their funerals, if they feel this is a way of guaranteeing good fortune for the deceased in the afterlife, well they should be allowed to do so. We hasten to add that that opinion, like all those heard on this program, does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. All right. On the other hand, it was a bad week last week for friend of the court briefs after a spectator 
interrupted Supreme Court oral arguments on gay marriage by shouting, if you support gay marriage, you will burn in hell. It's an abomination. Not surprisingly, the man was removed. But also not surprisingly, conservative Justice Antonin Scalia labeled the outburst, quote, rather refreshing, actually, unquote. I think that may telegraph how Scalia is going to vote on this one. And finally, it was an ugly week last week for labor relations with the news that the manager of a Popeye's chicken in Texas was fired for not paying back $400 stolen during an armed robbery. Yes, Marissa Holcomb, who's five months pregnant, was behind the register when the gun-wielding thief burst in. Her boss said Holcomb violated policy by keeping too much cash in the register and fired her when she refused to pay it back. Said Holcomb, the fact is I got robbed at gunpoint and it's like nobody cares. Again, we asked the question at Radio Parallax, isn't there some way we can give Texas back to Mexico? Let's make it a swap. We take the Baja Peninsula, they take Texas. Seems fair to me. Speaking of Texas, it was off the Texas coast down in the Gulf of Mexico that the Deepwater Horizon oil rig blew up five years ago. This has been in the news this week, talking about how British Petroleum, which operated the rig, has already paid nearly $3 billion in penalties. And under the Clean Water Act, could end up paying roughly $4,300 for each of the 3 to 4 million barrels it spilled. And although Gulf beaches appear pretty clean these days, the seafood industry down there is still recovering. By the way, just 25% of the oil spilled has been accounted for. Remember all those uh, stories years ago that, well, the oil looks like it's gone. Well, it's still gone. They can't seem to find it. Doesn't mean it disappeared. Is noted the much of the petroleum likely settled on the seafloor. Gee, you think? Since nobody's even sure how bad this disaster uh, is going to be. Since we can't even say at this point how bad this disaster is going to be, eventually, shouldn't this be giving us pause about drilling for oil a mile down on the seafloor? Because accidents will happen, and when they do, if you can't cap the source of the leaking oil, well, it's a recipe for disaster. Seems to me that's the lesson we should be learning from this incident five years ago, but no one seems to be talking about that. Yeah, it's kind of a shame that happened, but, well, you know, got to keep drilling. We have to talk a minute about this, this terrible incident last week, also down in Texas. To quote from a piece in the Los Angeles Times by Jonathan Kaiman, Tina Sussman, and David Zucchino, Pamela Geller is a 56-year-old Jewish arch-conservative from New York, a vehement critic of radical Islam who organized a provocative $10,000 cartoon contest in the placid Dallas suburb of Garland designed to caricature the prophet Muhammad. And you just have to pause at this point and ask, was that a good idea, really? And of course, as you may be aware, two gunmen did show up and fortunately for the crowd were taken down by a police officer slash security guard on the scene. Of course, no sooner was massive disaster avoided when Geller wrote a defiant blog, according to the LA Times piece, noting that this is a war on free speech. Are we going to surrender to these monsters? And it should be noted, according to the article, that the shooting unfolded just before 7 p.m. outside the Curtis Colwell Center, a public school building where about 200 people had just heard an impassioned anti-Islamic speech by Gert Wilders, a right-wing Dutch politician, titled, The Less Islam, The Better. 
The piece notes that the cartoon contest was organized by Geller as a rallying point for cartoonists and conservatives united in their belief that verbal attacks on radical Islam are a form of free speech. Geller has posted bus ads and billboards condemning Islam. In 2010, the same year the FBI was investigating the assailant Simpson's vows to fight the non-believers, Geller co-founded the American Freedom Defense Initiative, also known as the Stop Islamization of America. The organization is considered a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. It hosted the Muhammad Art Exhibit and Cartoon Contest, offering $10,000 for the best cartoon of the profit. Geller wrote in a blog promoting the event, We know the risks. This event will require massive security. Well, it does seem that one of the last areas in American life where you can just be free to be a prejudicial bigot would be efforts like this to smear Islam. Are there crazy Islamicists and jihadists out there? Well, yes, there are. Since it's a known fact that Islam has a long tradition of not allowing representations of uh, human figures in general and religious figures in particular, that this event was going to cause trouble. We would hasten to add at this point, there's no shortage of crazy Christians out there, like the zealots who have murdered doctors who have continued to provide abortion services, like people who blow up federal buildings in Oklahoma, like Timothy McVeigh. And I think we'll just leave it there today. And speaking of right-wingers and religious parties, we would note that over in Israel, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, putting the finishing touches on a fourth coalition government, is also preparing for an unprecedented fight to muzzle the Supreme Court of Israel. As a new coalition comes together, it should be noted that five of the six parties in it are committed to vote for new legislation that would fulfill the long-held aspiration of right-wing and religious parties to limit the Supreme Court's power to strike down laws passed by the Knesset. The Israeli Supreme Court has hardly been a left-wing bastion. A couple weeks ago, the court upheld a law that allows cases to be brought against Israelis who call for any form of boycott against Israel and its settlements in the West Bank. Which we do have to cite a couple episodes of trouble in the Islamic world. Apparently over in Cairo, a court has sentenced the deposed Egyptian president Mohamed Morsi to 20 years in prison for supposedly inciting violence against protesters. This verdict is expected to further alienate many of the Muslim Brotherhood supporters who elected Morsi in 2012, only to see him ousted by a military coup the following year. Said Amnesty International, the trial and sentence shatters any remaining illusion of independence and impartiality in Egypt's criminal justice system. And equally or more disturbing comes the news from Karachi, Pakistan, that the Pakistanis have released on bail Zaki Earl Rahman Lakhvi, a a top leader of the Lashkar al-Taiba terrorist group and the suspected mastermind of the 2008 Mumbai attacks. The four-day assault on India's largest city killed 164 people and wounded hundreds more. India strongly protested Lakhvi's release. Said India's foreign ministry, known terrorists not being effectively prosecuted constitutes a real security threat for India. Pakistani authorities say they lacked enough evidence to deny Lakhvi bail, but Indian officials say they turned over massive documentation, including the confession of the only Mumbai gunman to be captured alive. We have to agree with the Indian authorities on this one. What the hell's wrong with the Pakistanis? And closer to home, we have this little tidbit. Apparently suspended NBC News anchor Brian Williams is pretty unlikely to get his job back after the network's ongoing internal investigation found he had embellished 11 additional stories about his experiences 
including one in which Williams had claimed to be on the ground in Egypt's Tahrir Square during the Arab Spring uprising. Actually, he was watching from a balcony. Evidently, NBC leaked latest findings in a bid to shame Williams into accepting a $30 million golden handshake. And in case you're wondering, after a nearly four-month investigation, the NFL says that it's more probable than not that the New England Patriots personnel intentionally deflated footballs to gain an advantage against the Indianapolis Colts in the AFC Championship game. The NFL also announced the following penalties. None. And now let's see if we can't hear from someone who's never underinflated, our old pal Mr. Will Durst. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words concerning Bruce Jenner shocking the world by going on television to announce he's a Republican. And oh yeah, the transgender thing was sort of a big deal too. A Republican. Can't wait till Bruce tries to use a bathroom at next year's GOP National Convention and receives a shoulder so cold it freezes steam into ice cubes. What this proves is the future is a tsunami, sweeping away our old perceptions of everything, including sexuality. First, it was the gay pride parade. Then, the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender parade. Won't be long before we call it the anybody who has problems with the whole tab A and the slot B parade. And that, my friends, is all of us. Facebook now offers 51 categories for gender choice, and it could be 51,000, but that would mean filling out forms would become your life's work. 7.1 billion is the population of the Earth, meaning the real number of sexual preferences is probably around 9 billion because, face it, some of us are hogs and would demand more than one. Sex is complicated, and like it or not, each and every one of us is a precious snowflake, okay? Doesn't matter if you identify as a pangender or transgender or neutroy or FTM. To be truly accurate, you'd have to adjust for prudes and exhibitionists and the squeamish and, and the gross and, and tentatives and precisionists and leapers and crawlers and the noisy and the silent. Identifying an individual has nothing to do with chromosomes. It has to do with generosity, compassion, selflessness, and whether or not they hate the Dodgers. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. Well, we certainly hope that Bruce Jenner can find some sort of self-satisfaction along the way here. This is a story we expect to not be following in the future. You need to take a short break, so let's do so. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. Stick around. Exactly.